The rain fell down on the old tin roof, allowing the runoff to crash down onto the dirt road, carving a trench with its strength. Inside the building, the storekeeper looked out. It was going to be a very unproductive and very quiet day. The keeper had dusted everything and stacked up the boxes. With no customers, he figured this could be a good day to sort out his post office drawer. He was being paid $2 a week to sell stamps and take letters for the locals. He was, by default, the postmaster for his small farming community. He looked at all those scraps of pieces of paper, torn from sheets of orange George Washington stamps. He was getting rather good at tearing the stamps out of the sheet, but he was told to use a knife by the actual postmaster, who comes by about once a month. The postmaster said there had been complaints but the storekeeper had never heard any of them. After all, who cares if a stamp is torn or cut? He thought, wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to tear the stamps apart? It certainly would make inventory a lot easier. Live from the Rutherford B. Hayes Memorial Studio, this is the award-winning stamp show here today, episode number 296, brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. This is Cash. This is Mark. This is Albert. This week we are discussing repairs again. Today it is reperforating. So what does what is reperforating? What does it look like? And how does it affect stamps? Well, there are only two reasons to alter a stamp's perforations. Either you want to improve the stamp so it looks better in your album or more attractive to sell, or you want to defraud a stamp collector by turning a cheaper stamp into a more expensive one. Mm-hmm. What's the what's the primary technique that most most of these reperfers use? Well Well actually and I've seen many reperforating devices. I'm not going to talk about the really advanced ones that cost thousands of dollars because those are things that unfortunately it is very difficult to detect because they are doing a good job. But step, stepping back a moment, when a stamp was perforated in the United States, it's different in the British Empire. In the United States, it was basically a wheel with pins on it. And that wheel rolled over the top of the paper and put holes in it. Now, if you picture in your head this wheel, close your eyes unless you're driving. If you're driving, keep your eyes open. You can see the pin coming in at an angle, hitting the paper, and it cuts into the paper. And then the wheel wheels around. And then when it pulls out the other side it doesn't have as much of a cut to it. Well, that causes two things to occur. First of all, one edge will be sharper than the other edge. And the second thing is, they tend not to be perfectly round. The pins are perfectly round, but the holes they make are not. They're kind of oblong. Well, what a reperforating device is that 
most people who are reperforating stamps use is it looks like a T. It's got a base and then an upside down T, I should say. It's got a base and then a piece of metal sticking up. You slide the stamp underneath the sticking up piece of metal and that'll lock it into place. And then you have basically a comb of pins. And that comb comes straight down and punches the holes in the piece of paper. Well, it's a lot like a, um, a three-hole punch when you're uh, punching paper to put in a notebook. Yes. The pin comes straight down like a three-hole punch. Well, there are significant differences between coming straight down with that comb and making nice round holes versus that big wheel rolling over the sheet of stamps, cutting the perforations that way. And why don't, uh, Mark, why don't you discuss a little bit about how you tell if a stamp is reperforated, given that these are the two ways that stamps are reperforated? Well, as you described, or, or if you can imagine, a three-hole punch, uh, when you punch the paper, uh, you'll notice that the hole is perfectly round, uh, has perfect edges all the way around the uh, circumference, uh, whereas a stamp that's been, uh, uh, that's been perforated with the wheel, um, you'll see that um, uh, on one edge there's a, uh, a sort of a pressure ridge um, that you can see by, uh, by shining an oblique light, uh, and on the opposite side of the, uh, of the pressure ridge is feathering, where the uh, stamp was not cut uh, as cleanly. Um, and that's uh, a, a lot of how we uh, can detect if a stamp was, um, you know, was reperforated, uh, and, and along with the fact that the, that the hole is not perfectly round. Um, you see this a lot with um, stamps that, uh, that came in perforate, like 409, uh, and were made to cut to, uh, to, uh, in, to make a uh, um, uh, more valuable coil, like 411 or 413. If you see perfectly round holes down the center of a pair, uh, you can be reasonably certain that uh, that's a reperforated stamp. And the 409 is the two-cent the two in the corners sent Washington head the red stamp. Right. Yeah. The uh, that's that yeah, that would uh, constitute the latter uh, reason for for perforating, which is to defraud, um, and and unfortunately that's um, that that's a, a major uh, reason for that uh, that a lot of stamps are perforated. Um, the good reason would be because um, well, good. Finger yeah, quotes. The, yeah, finger quote. Good reason <laughs> would be because uh, you know stamps that were that were perforated on a sheet. Well, you've got a, a cut edge on the sheet that leaves a straight edge, and the, it, a straight edge looks unbalanced. And so, to um, uh, by by reperforating the edge of the stamp that has the straight edge, uh, the stamp looks more balanced. It looks more attractive. Um, another problem that you have with the wheel type um, uh, perforations is sometimes. Uh, you'll get a, a pin that gets damaged or broken off, and it will leave a blind perf, uh, an area of the stamp where there is no perforation where the, uh, one should be. And if you were to uh, perforate a little hole there, uh, then you make the again you make the stamp look balanced and it looks much better um, on your uh, in your album or more saleable to a customer. Yeah, until 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 the rotary press stamps, most of the flat press stamps had at least one straight edge. Um, the 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 biggest problem with uh, with uh, 
is collectors just would like to have perforations on four sides. And it's, they also, the other thing that to be aware of that's happened in the last 25 or 30 years, people have taken stamps that have perforations on all four sides, and they've actually, they've actually taken a, if it has a wide side, they've actually uh, reperforated that wide side so it, it has more of the picture frame effect, in other words, to improve the centering of the stamp. And so that hap that's happened a lot. And some of those some of those stamps have been done in a way that have been very clever. Um, so that's a, that's that's another technique of uh, reperforating to improve the appearance of a stamp. And also by uh, improving the centering, we have we have a lot of these stamps that are submitted because they become gradable. They be they they fall into the grading uh, equations. And then they don't because as soon as it's reperforated, it's ungradable. And right. you know, uh, just to be clear, uh, just be quite clear, everybody, we are not, definitely not saying reperforate stamps. We're just giving the reason why people do it. One of them is for aesthetic reasons, and you know, if they are if they don't disclose it, they're trying to defraud. Right. But it's not, you're not faking another stamp, and whereas. It's not uh, number 409, I think a number 409, you could probably pick one up for about a quarter. Right. And you can make a $300, $400 stamp out of it by putting fake perfs on it. Those are the ones that the guys are actually criminals. That's criminal activity. One of the things that's very helpful is um, that you that a good collector or a good student, a flatly that wants to learn about the stamps is... Uh, is there the raw material to make to make a counterfeit when you're talking about the coil stamps? So, for instance, on the uh, um, Scott number th 394, 3, 395, and 396, there are no perf eight and a half, uh, three, four, or five cent stamps with single line watermarks that you can make you can make counterfeits of. So those are those those are those are basic those are genuine you have other kind of faults they could have fins tears anything else but as far as authenticity they have to be that particular scott number the problem with 408 and 409 is that there were many um, the bureau of engraving and printing made uh, imperfect rolls of coil stamps uh, both vertically and horizontally uh, what they were going to what they were selling these coil stamps for was originally to uh, private perf manufacturers um, and uh, people that made people that made little uh, uh, little cardboard uh, with with stamps in it uh, that they would sell in a vending machine uh, but unfortunately there are a lot of them left over and the imperfect coils sell for very very little so when there's an imperfect coil that's available that's where you get counterfeits so not only do you have fake 411s and 413s but even very, but even cheaper stamps like uh, Scott number four forty three, four forty two, four forty four are counterfeited a lot. Yet you don't see very many four forty fives that are counterfeited. Right. Yeah. The most notorious uh, stamps for counterfeiting uh, would be the uh, Perf twelve coils, um, which uh, in in a lot of cases the uh, imperforate stock exists, and uh, those are particularly egregious because the coils are very rare. Um, Incredibly and very, rare and very pricey. Yeah. Uh, and when you're a stamp dealer looking at a collection, and it uh, is chock full of these uh, Perf 12 coils, 
um, you automatically discount them in your head as being almost valueless because unless they're certified, um, they're almost certainly faked. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's amazing because a lot of people think, okay, well, I know how fake coils are made. You just chop the perforations off. And people don't realize, well, yes, you can fake a coil by chopping the perforations off. But you can also fake it by getting an imperforated stamp and adding the perforations. So a lot of people are taken in by added perforations because it's a nice big stamp. It's got from, you know, if it's a horizontal uh, coil, you know, the vertical sides are perforated. So they go, well, you know, is it large enough where the top and bottom perforations cut off? Well, no, they weren't. But the perforations on the sides were added. Now, on that note of adding perforations, there are several stamps and there are several Washington Franklin heads which always have to be certified. Um, one is Scott number 519, which is, a, which is a very odd duck because it's a stamp issued in 1917, but with, uh, but with a double-line watermark, which was last used in the 1909 printing. Yeah, why don't you tell a little story about that? That's an interesting story. Um, in 19, there was a company that existed for many years around the turn of the, between the 19th and 20th century called the United States Automatic Vending Corporation. They actually made their own private, they actually first made little cardboard containers that had perforated stamps in it that they sold in vending machines. And later on, they made their own private vending coils. So in, so they had purchased, they had purchased in 1909 at least at least five million of the uh, Scott 344, the two cent imperforate um, double line watermark stamp, and unfortunately the company went bankrupt in 1915, and they had over a million of these stamps left in their vaults. So, what the bureau decided when this came up is that they uh, the stamps were submitted to the bureau, and the bureau perforated the stamps with the uh, uh, by the time they got the SAMs with the current PERF 11 pen. And because of that, that the, the, because of the aging of the stamps, the perforations look entirely different than any other PERF 11 stamp. They're a little bit wider. Um, you have to have to authenticate it. You have to actually look for pressure ridges on all four sides. Um, and because of, because of the aging, um, the stamp in, gen in general usually has slightly toned gum. Um, and most of the stamps, uh, like the block of six that I have in my reference, are average-centered. Yeah. Well-centered stamps are very, very difficult to find. Yeah, this was during uh, World War I austerity. So when the post office got this big pile of stamps back, they said, well, you know, we're not wasting money here. Send them through the perforator. Well, they were one quarter the size of a—they were used to perforating quarter sheets. And uh, these were just one-fourth of that. They, this was the lower lower left corner, right? No, the lower right corner. The lower, hold on, lower well, left lower corner. Lower left corner. Lower left corner. I'm, I'm looking at it. The reason why that's important. There are, there are no 519 top plate block blocks. Correct. Which, I, which I've seen submitted several times to our expert committee. I had a I had the opportunity, let's say, to sit with a major dealer and he said, I need to submit this. Look at this. It's a five nineteen plate block. And he was sitting 
I was sitting back in my chair and he was on the other side of the table and I said, it's fake. And he said, how can you tell from seven feet away that this is fake? And I go, because it's impossible to have a plate number on the right side. (laughs) The other problem that you have that collectors can be fooled with, I, I can't begin to tell you how many times I've gone to a dealer and he has a big multiple and he wants to break it out. So you can you can defraud so you can defraud a collector because well you can take a mul- you can take a multiple of three forty four add perforations to all four sides and then you can actually break the multiple in front of the collector and saying that well we don't need a certificate because it's been made <laughs> here here's the multiple we'll just break this break this right out of there and you and you'll see me break it out so you'll know it's genuine yeah yeah i i had that unfortunate thing happen to me when i was a young collector back in the early 70s and because i got a bad certificate on one that's why i learned that particular stamp and learned the history of it other stamps in the Washington Franklin heads that are, you have big problems with, um, Scott number 461, the experimental PERF 11 stamp on pale carbon red, in pale carbon red color uh, with a single line watermark that people make out of, uh, out of 409s. And then uh, the 464, the uh, 1916.3 cent stamp, of 10 on watermark they make them out of 43s and if they don't know the type they make them out of 44s too which is the type 1 and type 2 3 cent imperforates so once again if if the raw material exists somebody will somebody invariably will have made a fake out of it and just fyi 409s the material exists there are lots of not even full sheets but full panes of 400 you can find these out there. It, it is a readily available stock. So, you know, making a block of eight or 10 is nothing. It, it's determined only, the only determinant is the size of your reperforator. And just FYI, I have never seen a reperforator. Maybe you can correct me, but I think the biggest one I've ever seen is only like six inches. So, you know, in, so they're just sitting there. It's six inches. Okay, here. I've got a 519 block of nine. So you got to watch out for this. Another uh, set of stamps that you need to uh, watch out for that uh, may not be um, obvious is uh, 578 and 579. Um, These are rotary press that are perf 11 top and bottom and perf 10 on the sides. Um, those can actually be manufactured uh, by uh, altering the coils 597 and 599, which are much cheaper to, to, to get. Uh, the um, the uh, just by taking the uh, the the coil stamp and then perforating 11 uh, across the top and across the bottom. And the other problem with 578 and 579 is since it's coil waste, the bottom row of those sheets, usually the per, it was imperforate, the bottom row, and so you'll have perforations on three sides that are good, but the bottom perforations that include the sheet margin is not good. Right. So and so have, you can actually have a jumbo that you look at it and go, how could this possibly be reperforated? Because if you all think about it, when you reperforate a stamp that's already been perforated, you have to remove those prior perforations and get moved in, get in more. So what you end up doing is you end up making really small stamps. 
Well, in this case, you can reperforate it and have a really big jumbo, and you don't even need imperforated stock. Which, by the way, that is a good way to detect reperforates, is take a normal stamp, and it doesn't have to be that stamp. You could, in the, uh, in the 1901 issue, you can have the $5 stamp. And you go, well, I don't know how big this stamp is supposed to be. Well, the answer is, it's just the same size as the one center. So you can have literally a five cent reference copy for expertizing this $2,500 stamp. So all the stamps of the issue are going to be basically the same size. Compare them. Now, the use of reperforation to, to make or to minimize a short perf, I recently looked at an, I just recently looked at a 30 cent 1869 which had a which had a short perf, but obviously um, somebody had gone in and and uh, cut new perforations uh, to minimize to basically minimize the uh, minimize the short perf, and uh, uh, but the stamp becomes much more much becomes too small. Yeah. And then and then in addition to what Mark brought up, we see a lot of counterfeits that are made from the uh, 1925 1924-25 rotary coils. Uh, 603s get made into 591s. Um, was it 602 gets made into 586s, etc. Mm -hmm. So, um, and even very experienced dealers get fooled. I, I know that I've spotted my share of it, and it's the the key thing. The key thing to look at that issue is is that the gum breakers on the coils are totally different than the gum breakers on Scott 581 to 91, which we'll be getting into next week. Okay, I'm going to give everybody a big secret here at PSE. So don't tell anybody. But when we grade a stamp, we measure the perforations to uh, determine the centering. That's how stamps are graded. You know, Grading is, uh, does the stamp have faults? And then how is it centered inside of the uh, perforations, like a framework? Well, we actually measure the distance from the frame line to the bottom of the perforations. You can go ahead and hate grading, got no problem with it, collect what you want. But one of the things that come from that is that we, we have measurements of how big those margins are. And if those margins are small, it's a really big indicator that there's a reperforation going on. So there's a lot of them where, you know, we'll measure it and... At the end, you know, there's various numbers that come up, but one of the numbers is margin size. And you look at it and it's 0.85. You're 85% the size of a normal stamp in the margins. And that doesn't occur in the real world. I mean, outside of like the bank notes, you know, where they went all over the place. But once mechanized perforations started being uh, mechanized uh, machinery, started putting in the perforations, you don't get stamps that are 85%. You don't get stamps that are 15% too small. And so most of the time, that's an indicator, and we go, hold on, this stamp is too small. you got to check this for reperforating. Right, and it, it invites further uh, scrutiny. Yeah, so even when you have these guys, like I said, who have these multi-thousand dollar reperforating machines, 
unless you can stretch the stamp and make it bigger somehow, <laughs> which, you know, I don't know how to do that. Um, you're going to have too small of a stamp. So even if you were the expert, the greatest reperforator in the world, you couldn't do it and keep the margins the right size unless you have some very, very odd uh, material to work with, like maybe a jumbo straight edge. It wouldn't just have to be a straight edge. It would have to be a jumbo straight edge or something like that. Of course, you could pull it off with uh, imperforated stamps, but everybody suspects the imperforated stamps. Uh, so compare the size. The second thing, of course, is compare the measurements. If it's a perf 11 stamp and they reperforated it, measure it, see if it's perf 11. There are a lot of stamps from the 1857 issue that we have seen. They're perf 15. Well, per 15 is a really hard comb. Remember, we got those little combs that you're pushing down to make the perforations. Per 15, that's hard to make. Those, those pins are just too close to each other. So they perforate it like perf 12. And so all of a sudden, if you have an 1857 issue that should be perf 15, and you measure it and it's perf 12, guess what? <laughs> Another related... Um uh, issue with uh, perforations would be um, perf chads, uh, where the stamp is not, you know, perforated perfectly, and uh, the famous Americans are famous for this, oh, wow. um, where you where you've got these uh, these perf chads that, that are hanging on the, on the stamp, um, and if you were to remove the chads, the stamp looks uh, quite a bit better, um, but it still looks like crud. Right. Yeah. Um, and, but you have to be careful because, you know, even with some earlier stamps where you, where you have, uh, it's, it's not a blind perf, the perforation is there. You could see that it's cut, but, um, but the, but the perf uh, disc is still hanging on. Um, it definitely looks better to remove it, but you got to be real careful that, uh, in, in, in removing it, you don't pull off the, um, the perforation tip of the adjoining hole and uh, and then make a uh, make the stamp look worse. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the United States 1894 issue uh, that was a transition between stamps that were printed by the American Banknote Company, um, which include the No Triangles issue. Uh, it's got 219 to 229. Um, that was the last regular issue that was printed by a banknote company. The banknote company turned over the plates to the Bureau of Engraving and Printing and the dies, and what the Bureau did is they cut triangles in the upper upper right and upper left um, corners. And there's a large amount of correspondence uh, between postmasters and the Bureau of Engraving and Printing in 1894 because they just didn't know how to print stamps. So they were having tremendous trouble with gum and with perforations, especially perforations that were not fully punched out. And so when they were trying to separate the stamps at local post offices, this, this, the postmaster would literally tear the sheets in half. Oh, and, and the perforations on them just look terrible. But it is a, it is but a, it's normal. But it is a way also to identify some of the scarcer issues. Yeah. That they, they, they have blind purse. Yep. Um, there was also... Uh, for those people who do back of the book, there was a very, very scarce uh, for, um, bureau printing of newspaper stamps that were done with the same plates as the uh, uh, as the American Banknote Company plates. 
and uh, but the difference is the fact one of the differences is, is that uh, the perforations are usually not fully punched out yep yeah when you uh that's a big one because you can find you know thousand dollar stamps price for a hundred bucks because the people didn't identify it correctly because they just don't and uh, if you find these raggedy perforations you've got to take a second look at that stamp because it's pro it could very well be the more valuable one well let's discuss value what's the value of a reperforated stamp uh, well, the, a reperforated stamp still has value because um, it's a genuine stamp. It's just been altered. Well, uh, let's let's clarify. A genuine stamp. The ungenuine right. stamps are space fillers, and you probably want to pay like a buck for a fake five nineteen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Those those are are really unsaleable because um, you actually um, to to sell a stamp like that on eBay, you're actually breaking the uh, terms of service. Yeah. Um, but if you've got a, a, a stamp that's been reperforated um, and you identify it as reperforated, uh, that's perfectly fine because you're identifying the, the you know, that, that fact, you're disclosing it. And people will still buy it because, you know, it, 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 it will fill space in the collection. Okay, so the $99 question, what's the value of the stamp? I would say uh, similar to uh, thins, you'd want to you'd want to cut the price in half at least. Of so a ninety nine dollar yeah. stamp would cost you about fifty bucks. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Albert? Yeah, I agree with that. Mm -hmm. um, the biggest problem is is that when you the biggest problem is when that one stamp that that has a wide straight edge gets and is perfect otherwise gets uh, expertly redone. It's uh, um, many times it's it sells for what a what a premium stamp sells yeah, for. Yeah, and it shouldn't. And it shouldn't. Well, personally, me, I collect double straight edges. However, it has to actually show the guideline. Straight edges, uh, uh, picture uh, four sheets of stamps all connected to one pane, and then they have lines so that the person who's cutting apart can say, okay, that line separates that sheet. Well, those four corner stamps, there's a line there. And if you can find a double straight edge, which shows the line, which means a cut, you know, either right on top of the line or slightly to the other side, those to me are really, really cool. And I pick them up whenever I can. I love double, line, uh, double straight edges that show the guidelines. And those I pay a premium for. Yeah. They're oh. rare. Oh yeah, I I've I've bought many a stamp that's worth a nickel for a buck to five bucks because it has a double straight edge showing the guidelines. Anything else? The other the other thing that the other thing that we have to talk about that the other defrauding that happens with reperforating is when it's happened it's happened a couple times where they've taken. Uh, uh, a Washington Franklin head perf 11 that has a big wing margin, and what they'll do is they'll they'll perforate it perf 10. There are uh, there are several instances where where um, um, these items have somehow gotten in the catalog, but they don't really exist. Oh, that's you you mentioned wing margins. We didn't bring up wing margins. 
everything we're talking about today is in regards to U.S. stamps. And here's why it's different for British stamps or British Commonwealth. They used comb perforators to perforate their stamps. They didn't use a wheel with pins that rolled over the top. They used an actual comb that comes straight down with a bunch of pins in it and perforates the stamps. The reason why that's a problem is when the counterfeiters or the fakers or the stamp doctors are using the same technique as the actual post office did, it's much more difficult to detect the stamps. Here in the United States, we're blessed that it's incredibly difficult to duplicate how the perforations were put in. But that's not the case with the British post office. And by the way, Canada perforated their stamps like the United States. So we're, we're talking about England and the colonies and stuff like that. If they were printed by the American Banknote Company, which a lot of them were, they used those wheel perforators. So the wing margins on the edge of uh, the sheets of British stamps, the, the stamps always had this large wing margin. And over time, they're all disappearing because people are perforating, they're uh, re-perforating those edges and tearing off the wing margin so you have a nice square stamp. Those you have to really be careful about. Those take a lot more than just oblong uh, hole and feathering. You know, we have it easy. In Britain, they have it much more difficult. So in that time period, you have to look at, is there like aging in the holes and stuff like that? It gets much more difficult. So yeah. that's why it's different. Well, one of the ways we tell a stamp, that, well, you stamp, for instance, um, um, if the perforations are okay, is we actually look and um, see if... Um, if the cancellation goes over, if it goes over one edge, does the ink actually go into the holes of the perforations? Yep. That's a, that's a telltale sign that they're genuine perforations. That also, though, requires equipment that the normal collector doesn't have, and that's one of the drawbacks. I mean, you need a really good, micro, uh, really good microscope, yeah. There are some. I have uh, spoken before about Coolertronics on uh, Amazon. They have a really great uh, USB, what, what is it? It's a USB, it, it's, a, it's a microscope. It, it's a, and it's got a little screen on it. Pull up Coolertronics on Amazon, take a look at them. They vary in price. They used to be $60, then around Christmas time, they went up to $100 because I guess they were selling a bunch. And now I see them down to about $70. They're not all the way down to $60. In either case, really, really good uh, value. Uh, go ahead and check it out. What's and what's the best one for a which What's the best one for a philatelist? The Coolertronic. No, but there, you said there were different models that they were selling. Oh, the cheaper one, <laughs> whatever the cheapest one is. Yeah, and if Coolertronics, you're listening, uh, we just gave you a plug. You can send us a freebie. <laughs> we'll evaluate it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll evaluate it. <laughs> well, thank you very much, everybody.
We need your help. Nothing on the internet is free, including our phone and internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. <laughs> because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this still clown was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! (laughs) You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, seeking to advance all levels of the stamp collecting hobby through news, information, and collecting advice. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com to listen to the show, view images of the items we are talking about, and read the show notes. You can also continue the conversation on Facebook at Stamp Show Here Today and on Twitter at Stamp Show HT. If you have questions or comments about the show or have any topics you would like us to discuss, you can email us at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep collecting. Collecting happens when we dream together.